In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, good afternoon, peace be upon you, and welcome back to another Drive Time episode here on a Friday afternoon. Today, with a full house of the uh, Friday Drive Time show team, joining uh, you over the next two hours will be myself, Reza, Brother Kiyum, Brother Daniel, and Brother Hanif. Assalamu alaikum, gentlemen, to all of you. Wa alaikum assalam, and may peace be upon you as well. I think every, all the millions of listeners out there will be wondering, Brother Hanif, how have you been? <laughs> I have, have you been rather? <laughs> Where have so you been? first of all, I have been great and better for it being here with you guys today. <laughs> so just put that on the record. But yeah, no, been uh, floating a little bit actually with some of the other drive time shows on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. But today I'm very lucky to be here because also we're having our elders big meeting in the UK. Yeah, so we usually save the old uh, the, the old people <laughs> jokes for Brother Kiyum uh, exclusively. Um, but I think all of you over 40, you know, it's, it's good to have you. So one in three or one in four of us are in the... In the in <laughs> yeah, you're outnumbered today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's a good problem to have. Anyways, thank you very much for joining us today here uh, today. Um, over the next two hours, yeah. we'll be with you speaking about two topics as usual in the first half of the program. Now, we speak about mental health on the different Drive Time shows here throughout the week, as well as on other shows here in Voice of Islam. Yeah. But today, what we want to do is we want to focus on the mental mental health issues which, is on, which are on the rise specifically in regards to young people. There's some very um, alarming figures and very worrisome figures that we have come across. So that's something that we would like to cover in the first half of the program. And then in the second half, uh, we're going to talk about knowledge and if academia is the only way or is there more behind that. Yeah. But all of that coming up in the next half of the program. As always, you can give us a call 0208-687-7878 or you can send us a tweet at Voice of Islam UK or a comment on Instagram. Now, usually we do ask you a question on our opinion poll on Instagram. So go to our Instagram story at Voice of Islam UK and uh, leave us a comment and cast your vote. In the Holy Quran, in the second chapter of uh, this uh, divine book, God Almighty states, Allah burdens not any soul beyond its capacity. It shall have the reward it earns and it shall get the punishment it incurs. Our Lord, do not punish us if we forget or fall into error. And our Lord, lay not on us a responsibility as thou didst lay upon those before us. Our Lord, burden us not with what we have not the strength to bear and efface our sins and grant us forgiveness and have mercy on us. Thou art our master. God Almighty has created all of us and this life from a Muslim point of view is just a small pit stop. It's there to test us, to test our strengths, to test our belief, to test our faith in him. And every human on this earth goes through trials and tribulations. It's a very, very normal, it's a very common thing. However, it is up to us on how we deal with hardships in our lives. Going through physical, going through mental or any other types of issues throughout our lives does not mean that we are not normal or that God Almighty does not like us or that God Almighty has given up on us uh, when we face any kind of hardship. It is quite the opposite of what God Almighty expects from us. In another verse of uh, chapter 67 verse 2 it says, he who created death and life to test you as to which of you is best indeed. And he is the exalted in might, the forgiving. 
As reported by the latest digital NHS statistics, 1.54 million people were in contact with mental health services at the end of January last year. Moreover, a record number of even of more than 400,000 children a month, not a year, a month, are being treated for mental health problems, which shows an unprecedented well-being crisis in children and young adults. Just to put things into perspective, one in six children aged 5 to 16 were identified as having a probable mental health problem in July 2021, which is a huge increase from one in nine just three years before that, uh, four years in 2017. That's five children in every classroom. And then if you look at the number of A&E attendances by young people aged 18 or under, with a record with a recorded diagnosis of a psychiatric condition that tripled between 2012 and 2019 i can go on and on yeah. and on <laughs> oh god it's crazy statistics yeah. i mean it just uh, exasperated obviously with the lockdown but i think it was probably a problem that was already on the pre- precipice of actually exploding mm. and I think the lockdown just took it over the edge and now we look at these alarming statistics, uh, especially when you talk about the education establishment. If you imagine 30 people in the classroom on average and one in those six are going to have uh, mental health problems, that's very alarming. Yeah. I mean, that's that in itself is very scary. You Growing up at school when we were, you would never hear it. It would probably be that in the statistics of the whole school yeah. as opposed to in every classroom. I, I remember us having a very happy childhood. I mean, I, I don't know if that's restricted to to my own personal experience, <laughs> but I'm also generally talking for my class, I, I believe, as well, the people that uh, you know I grew up with. Uh, in the school that I went to, you know, people were generally happy. I think modern society has become very complicated as well. Social media, uh, you know, so much neg- so much going on in the world. There's so much negativity around us generally as well. Um, and I'd like to go back to what uh, uh, Imam uh, said earlier about, um, you know, in terms of uh, the challenges that um, that are thrown at us. And yes, God does test us, but I think also God is the best friend as well. Hmm. And uh, one of my favorite verses in the Quran, uh, one of many, is Allah zikrillahi tatmanil qulub, which means that uh, it is really in the remembrance of God that you c- the hearts find peace. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, so, you know, God does test you, but God also gives you the... Um, uh, gives you the helping hand to to help you with all those uh, trials and tribulations. And what better friend to have than God? Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with you more. But you know, you're, we're talking. Many of our listeners are to the to the converted, right? Mm. They understand sure. the benefits yeah. of um, having a close relationship with God Almighty, and it's really the people who have chosen not to make. God, his friend, is where we're seeing many of these issues appear. I really liked, Rosa, what you said earlier about this life is like a pit stop. Hmm. I mean, when you imagine what we're imagining, if you look at the Formula One, you've you've gone around a racetrack about 32 times, you do a Hmm. pit stop, and literally you're there for about 30 seconds. Hmm. And then you look at the whole of your life. What does that mean then? If our life is just a pit stop, we've got to cram all this goodness and create a bank of goodness in in ourselves, then to have something later in life, is there enough time? (laughs) It's a good question, but I I think the reason why I mentioned that is, and we were talking about this before the show actually started as well, that 
the more instead of thinking it from 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 a punishment side yeah. or from a side that oh why does god not want me to have a good life mm. think about it the other way it's prophets for us that go through the most difficult times yeah. and there's no doubt about that that, it, that in a time where a prophet comes in a time where a prophet is raised to guide people back to you know god or religion or faith or 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 you know morality whatever yeah. it may be those are the most beloved of god in that time there is no one more who is closer to god there's no one more who is um loyal to god than those prophets but yet you see them going yeah. through physical punishment uh, pain you th- see them go through mental uh, pain um, you name it mm. i mean just look at the life of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him you had fights on one side but then he also lost his own children yeah. he lost his friends and he that was <laughs> he was born an orphan exactly he was born an orphan lost his mother at the age of age of 6 yeah. so right from the very beginning that um was 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 with him all the time yeah. but it was his relationship with god almighty it was yeah. the relationship that he had with other people that made him into the most influential person ever to live in history if i could come back come back to you um or respond to what what you said i mean i i fully agree that you know we are you know in a way that we talk to the converted when we we talk about islam and islamic teaching but I, it's about the philosophy really yeah. and um i guess i am trying to convert um, more people to this philosophy as well when i say this because you know this the, you know this great example that uh, imam raza gave about this life being a pit stop that also is the philosophy not generally agreed to by the majority of the world today yeah. because you know they believe that this is everything and that's it the, uh, exactly and that's it so it's mm-hmm. it, and, and i guess the point that i that i want to make is mm. that there are no other solutions that you know the instagram is not going to give you that comfort uh, y- uh, going to the gym is not going to give you that peace eventually you will have to come to god and that is where you will find your peace and you will have to accept this philosophy that this life is is a pit stop and you can do your best and 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 and, yeah. and you should pray but it doesn't mean you don't go to the gym it doesn't mean you don't keep healthy eat healthy it doesn't mean that you have good strong relationships with people is not god wants us to do to serve humanity to yeah. develop relationships yeah. and also he talks a lot about we are custodians of this earth and yeah. look at the state of the earth that we're seeing today that, that's half our faith yeah that's right so i, I think um the point i went through in my head when you when you were speaking is that i totally agree 100% with what you're saying but when we look at it in people's lives mm. everywhere you look at the news are talking about immigration you're talking about nhs the health but a lot of these people are struggling when i knock on doors is i don't know i'm i'm going to have to move home mm. i can't afford the rent anymore yeah I literally have a good job. I can afford to live, but now I have I do not have the rent. The rent prices have gone up. My mortgage prices have gone up. Mm. On average it's about 600 pounds across the country if not more in some places. So where do I have time? What you're talking about? Where, yeah. where is my go? Where do I where can I take time? I've got to take two jobs on. Yes. I'm on the hustle. It's a very yeah. good it's a it's a very good question. I I I agree with you as well. It's about what we usually say here it's not just um that uh, you have to go to the mosque you have yeah. to make that time of course everybody is trying to make a living but again 
God is not limited to a place. God is not limited to a mosque or a church right, okay, or a synagogue yeah. or a temple or whatever you, 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 you may prefer. He's everywhere. So to make the best out of it, plus it's not just the worship of God Almighty that gives you that, that comfort that we we're talking about. It's his remembrance. It's about what you do as a person to your fellow human beings. Mm. And again, uh, anthropologists, for example, they get this 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 rush or this this comfort or this peace, whatever they're after, by helping other people, by being yeah. selfless, right? Mm. And that's if you remember this throughout your life, everybody will have a low point in their life. There's no doubt. There's no question about that. Even the most um, uh, religious, the most uh, saintly people, they have days where they they they're like you know, yeah. doubting so, uh, things. Uh, you know, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, I. We have an elder in the room, and we've not we've got to let him speak. We've, so yeah. I've, I'm going to I'm going to ask you, Junius, to uh, to stop talking. <laughs> and oh, that's since, my line. Since since uh, <laughs> since we've got an elder in the room, let's take that elderly advice from the elder See, elder gentleman yeah, in the room. He's he's, he's been brother doing, Kayum, He's been doing you. what wise old men <laughs> do: just listen to observe what the kids are talking about. <laughs> yes, brother Kayum. So what what would what would you say to ask and one will answer. And thou shalt be answered. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question we are posing uh, to our uh, to the to the person to with the all with the most the... most wisdom in this in this room okay. is what is to your mind the solution to the mental health problems of the modern age? No, actually, we'll come to the solution at the end. I mean, we're okay, just, okay, we're, we're not solutioning. No, 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 no okay. we're not solutioning right now. We're just now. talking about the problem. We're, we're just yeah. mentioning some of the reasons. So, okay. I mean, I think what Brother Hanif I thought mentioned, we were talking about God. We we're talking about yeah, solution. Yeah, we, we are. We are. That's that's right. already there. But <laughs> we're, we're jumping the gun here a little bit, just a little bit. But yeah. before we do that, before um, um, Brother Guillaume comes in here, I, I do apologize with, with the, with the, with the mo- a, utmost respect. Oh, okay, thank you very much. We have. Uh, our first guest with oh, us on the yeah. line, Dr. Yusuf Ahmed, who's a GP and he specializes in mental health. So maybe the question that we're going to ask uh, Brother Kium here, we can also pose to Dr. Yusuf about some of the reasons. Before we get to the issues, before we get to the, the you know the, the solving the problem, let's speak to Dr. Yusuf and ask him what some of the you know things are that contribute to the alarming figures that we have just mentioned in the beginning. Dr. Yusuf, assalamu alaikum, good afternoon, peace upon you and welcome to the Draft Time Show. Uh, assalamu alaikum, uh, thank you for having me on your show. Zakila, for joining us today. Um, so, as I mentioned, tell us a little bit about some of the key factors contributing to this increase in young people's mental health issues in recent years. When I think about, for example, my, my son in his class, we have you know 25 kids, out of those, five children possibly, you know, could have um, mental health problems. That's 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 not a you know very nice figure, is it? No, no, absolutely. I think that's a very good question, and actually, it's quite uh, multifactorial uh, in, in in nature. Actually, so I think generally speaking, when it comes to mental health, uh, I'm not just relating to um, kind of the, the children in general, but for mental health across all ages and all populations and all backgrounds. Uh, the general consensus is, is that it's it's several factors that actually play a, a massive role uh, in in mental health, really. Uh, so generally, in the mental health terms, in the clinical psychiatry, um, we tend to work towards the what we call the biopsychosocial model um, of, of mental health. Um, and what this model generally states is that it has three domains. 
Um, it has the, the biological domain. So that's mainly in regards to um, the uh, kind of the genetics or the genetic makeup of, of an individual. Uh, it's about their, their brain chemistry uh, and all these extra factors that, that have a, a big role uh, in contributing towards um, mental health problems. Um, there's also the uh, psychological um, aspect of it as well, uh, and that includes the you know the emotional well-being, uh, the actual thought processes um, uh, it, that, that an individual kind of goes through um, as well, and um, kind of how they tend to manage uh, things, and that also encompasses uh, as well to some degree their, their physical health as well, because obviously there's a massive link between mental and physical health in general. Um, and then you have your social uh, domain, which is your environment. Um, so uh, generally speaking, your upbringing, uh, the past, uh, uh, kind of education, the socioeconomic backgrounds, mm. a lot of extraneous factors uh, that can play a general role. So kind of pinpointing um, mental health uh, problems to one particular thing um, it's probably not the best approach, and you have to look at the person as a whole, uh, as a holistic approach, uh, and then trying to kind of kind of pick out those small, small things that may have contributed towards that particular individual, that particular child uh, experiencing those those mental health problems. Uh, Doctor Ahmed, can we agree, um, or or do we know factually that the incidence of mental health is actually increasing or has increased in in among younger people younger population over recent years uh, and i and i asked this in the in the backdrop that when we ask for example other medical professionals um yeah. uh, doctors for example doing cancer research Mm-hmm. Usually the challenge is uh, usually the the challenge that's thrown um, back is that no the an- the incidence of cancer hasn't grown it's just that we are able to diagnose it much better now. Mm. So where do you sit on 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 that divide or or um, uh, um, with that in relation to mental health problems? That's a very good question. I think I think with regards to the, with regards to that I think it's. Um, <laughs> I think with regards to how we kind of, kind of diagnose or how good we've become um, in, in diagnosing psychiatric illness or mental health problems is a tricky one. Um, again, a lot of that's to do with um, the fact, obviously, the first one was the services um, that the mental health services at the moment nationally are really badly underfunded and significantly uh, understaffed. And it's very difficult. And, and for that reason, um, you know, the waiting times for for people to have the initial assessment is actually um, significantly long. Uh, for example, where I work uh, in Yorkshire, uh, for child and adolescent services, for example, with ADHD or ASD, you're looking at a at a minimum of 18 months waiting time, oh. uh, sometimes longer, um, in different areas of uh, pediatric mental health. So it's very difficult to say in that regards. And the other thing is with regards to um, kind of the incidence rates. Yes, I mean, particularly post-COVID, there's been a lot of research done in regards to whether the rates of mental health in, in children or in adults uh, has increased because COVID was a very uh, particular um, kind of, I won't say particular, but a very significant aspect of our lives. It really wasn't it. There was um, a lot of things that happened, isolations, restrictions, um, things, you know, people's lives had completely changed top to toe. Um, and obviously, there's been a lot of research since that post-COVID that has shown that actually um, the 
the things that children went through during the COVID pandemic um, has actually led on to uh, repercussions now that we're out of those uh, kind of restrictions now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, absolutely, it has increased. I've seen it, you know, I've, I've worked throughout the COVID pandemic. I've seen um, children from as young as six, seven, eight years old, all the way, you know, until adulthood, they're 80, 90 years old, who've had poor and significant worsening in their mental health. Mm. Uh, so it's definitely true that the incidence and the, um, the number in the case of mental health has worsened. Uh, that's got quite clear. As regards to how well we're picking it up, that's a, a whole different debate. I think mental health has a lot of overlaps, a lot of different um, mental health problems and psychiatric illnesses um, have very similar features, symptoms, signs. Um, and actually, um, you know, it, it requires a whole holistic approach uh, in order to, to identify and um, kind of diagnose a person, you know, it requires thorough assessments and not just one assessment. It requires uh, a lot of continuity of care, actually, um, and follow-ups and, and these type of things to be able to properly and accurately diagnose a person. Obviously, there are the um, the general and the classic uh, psychiatric illnesses that we know about, which are reasonably, I guess you can say, straightforward to diagnose. But generally speaking, mental health is not an exact art. Um, and, you know, you have to really take that person as an individual uh, and start from the bottom up to find out what's going on. Um, so when it comes to actually kind of identifying have we got any better, um, possibly, slightly, uh, some improvement somewhere. But like I said, it takes a long time to be able to get uh, support of proper diagnosis and like I said it's a, it's a whole uh, concoction of different things that play, play a factor in that. Dr Ahmed you mentioned uh, ADHD, autism, the time span it takes, the delays in getting diagnosis. Mm-hmm. With social media, internet, isn't the problem that too many people are self-diagnosing, they're looking at these symptoms which are being spoken about on mainstream media, on social media and people aren't willing to wait. So a lot of people who might be perfectly fine, Mm. but they see the symptoms and they self-diagnose and they actually create Mm. a situation where they're creating mental health. Yeah. What's your take on that? No, that's that's, that's very true. I mean, we see that in clinical practice all the time. Uh, You know, the the amount of times I've had patients calling me um, just saying, look, I've done this research, uh, I've looked into this uh, social media post or I've Googled ADHD and uh, trying to match why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Um, and I, I tick all of these boxes. Um, and you're absolutely right. I think this the self-diagnosis and I guess the uh, excess of information that's out there um, has played a massive role in, in patients and, and the individuals coming to the surgery to come into the clinic and say, look, I've got ADHD, but the possibility of, a, of ASD uh, and so on and so forth. Um, can you help me with it? Um, and the honest truth is, is that a lot of, it's a very sensitive kind of thing to actually say um, in this regard because the, there's so much overlap between mental health, for example, in ADHD and ASD, that actually, you know, for example, in the child, uh, they are bound to be hyperactive. Uh, they are bound to have um, kind of problems with impulsiveness and so on and so forth. Um, so to say, look, this is actually human nature and not a mental illness, um, it's something that's not often taken really well. And they often want to have a reason um, as to why they're, they're experiencing the way that they are. So you're absolutely right. It has caused a lot of uh, problems, a lot of issues, the, the, the over 
um, overload of information that's out there on social media uh, and on the internet. Um, and in order to manage these kind of, kind of the population who come to the clinic like this, you know, we have to start them from scratch. We have to go back to the beginning uh, where have these issues first started from and try to link things together. You know, you, there's information and then there's applying that information to context. Uh, and that's really important to do. Uh, and sometimes it is just about re-educating um, patients and, and so on and so forth and explain to them, look, this, there's some, certain things that are normal human nature that are expected to happen uh, and experiences are bound to happen in, a, for example, the pediatric population. Um, but it depends how that's affecting the quality of life of that child as well. Uh, how is it affecting them on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, so the different diagnostic criteria that we have to follow um, and it's not always clear cut, but a lot of it's about managing expectations and re-educating our now, patients. Uh, you you, you mentioned the, the the process and and the procedure of of getting a diagnosis. Now, as as a father of a child who's autistic, or, or I should say, um, an adult now who's an autistic person, mm. Mm. there's a huge difference between ADHD and autism, and people tend to get it really confused. Um, the the process and. and the, the reason I mention this is there are some things which aren't mental health, mm. but they get labeled as mental health. Is, is, yeah. is, are we not in danger here medically, socially, as a society to dilute the true nature of mental health and, um, and causing ourselves inundate problems? No, absolutely. No, I do agree with you. I think... Uh, and the reason I asked the question, because when yeah. I, when, when, you know, autism is, some, I mean, in UK, again, it's a personal opinion, we are actually quite far behind or we're, we're still trying to catch up when it comes to autism to countries like Australia, New Zealand, even USA, um, who yeah. have been talking about autism for 50 years. And whereas yeah. with us, it's about 25, 30 years. So mm. we're still catching up, and there is a lengthy process of educational psychologists. There mm. is, a, you know, it's multidisciplinary diagnosis to get to something like yeah. autism, um, and and yeah, yet yeah. we we are doing it, or oh, it's happening too quickly, too blatantly, and and a lot of misdiagnosis um, from from all parties. My 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 fear is that again, I'll go back to the original question that. Mm. We are creating mental health, and mm. and in the, in the process, people who truly um, are suffering from mental health um, are 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 not getting seen. Yeah, I think I think you're right. To some degree, there is this inherent problem that maybe you know, like I said, because of the information, you know, so that's so readily available now at our fingertips, and so and so forth. You know, these all these extraneous factors, they are kind of to some degree adding on that extra kind of burden, um, not only on the health service, but on the individual as well uh, with the, when it comes to mental health. And you're absolutely right. It is a, it is a very, very long process. It's not it's not simple. It's very, um, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot of time. Um, it's holistic, so it's not just something as organic as, for example, yeah. uh, you know, physical issue as, as, as a chest infection, you know, the classical symptoms and you treat it. Um, it's really going into the person's um, history, um, going right to the to the very beginning to see exactly what's happened, what could have contributed before birth, even, uh, you know. And uh, and it, like I said, it's, a lot of it's about educating patients and educating the individual about what they're feeling and, and how they're feeling, 
and so on and so forth. And I think what, what really makes things harder is how badly inundated the the mental health services are right now. You're absolutely right. I think, um, like I said, I can't begin to tell you how often um, a patient has come to me and said, look, I've got this. I think this is what it is. I've experienced mm. borderline personality disorder, ADHD. And a lot of it, they, they want to understand why. And that's where the kind of the educating of the patient comes in. That's really important. Mm. Um, but there are some times where, you know, the education isn't enough and they want to have a label, they yeah. want to know what's going on, they want a formal diagnosis. Uh, Dr- and, yeah. Apologies. Dr. Ahmed, uh, thank you for, for giving us so much time. We are short of time. I can ask you so many more questions about labelling. You just mentioned labelling and, and that that brings up a lot of more questions. But due to shortage of time, I'm sure we will invite you back And because some mental health is something we speak about quite often. Um, thank you for taking time out for us on the Drive Time Show. I wish you a fantastic evening and a weekend ahead. May peace be with you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank, thank, thank you, you for joining us. Welcome. Welcome. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call if you want to have your say. Um, on uh, the second topic, so uh, about knowledge and wisdom, we are asking you on our opinion poll on Instagram. So Instagram story, what skills have you learned without gaining a formal qualification? So go to Voice Islam UK and leave us a comment. Now, Dr. Yusuf mentioned about the mental health services being at a um, breaking point. At a breaking point, <coughs> I um, think it broke a long time ago. Yeah, well, well I think like a true politician. We, we, can, we can we can agree on <laughs> that. Thirteen years ago, <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree on that. But someone uh, someone um, who is here joining us now, yeah. who can talk maybe a little bit more on that, is our next guest. Uh, Alia Semi is with us on the line. She's a mental health therapist and counselor. Now, she owns her own practice uh, to help people struggling with a number of mental health issues, including addiction, suicide, trauma, anxiety, and stress. Um, and I'm sure there's many, many more. Um, Alia, good afternoon. Assalamu and peace be upon you. Welcome to the Draft Time Show. Wa Thank you so much for having me. Zakala, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, I'll, I'm going to ask you straight away, what, what inspired you to become an advocate for mental health awareness and support? The numbers... We read out in the beginning, they're, you know, climbing every year. It's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, seems to be like that. So mm. why, why did you decide to go into that line of work? I think um, very much that whole light, not being there, not being a light at the end of the tunnel is something that I'd, I'd resonated with. I think earlier on in my life so much and with things like uh, you know obviously having trauma and things like that being able to take that get the support that I needed and being able to feel that okay I'm not my past and none of us are our past however the past has a way of catching up to us and leaving its imprint and that's where sort of therapy comes in it being able to to help and help with whatever situation is going on at that time. So I advocate it because of the knock-on effects that mental health has on the whole of the body, the way it can kind of make or break how an individual functions in their life. So it's a such a such a fundamental a part of a person's existence, and I want to be a part of that healing. Mm because of the healing that I've had in my life and what I've witnessed with many clients. I feel there's just something I'm so passionate about. And as a mother, 
Hmm. I'm, you know, just again responsible for a future generation of my own. So it's kind of just seeing that all into one. I'll always, always speak for the person who needs help, and that's that's kind of what I, inshallah, just hope to continue yeah. to do. So you mentioned mother as as a parent, as someone mm. um, who has children. How can we, as parents or caregivers, how how can we first of all what what are we looking at? What are we looking out for? And how do we create an, an environment at home that we don't um, see our children getting into into these stats uh, at one point? Very important question. I think from the the roots of it with with all kids is that in some extent they seek validation from somewhere. They seek to. In all of the insecurity, all of the will I belong here, they try to see where can I fit in and where am I wanted. And I think at home and in these and these spheres, we need to make that environment such that they know that they are validated and that they are enough. That means not dismissing them when they have issues, right? Not not, not just listening to them, but actually really being able to, to empathize with them effectively. Being able to open that channel of communication, not just shutting your ears. If it's a subject you're a bit uncomfortable with, being like, I don't want to talk about this right now, you know? Mm. That's so unhelpful, right? Because then they'll, they'll go and they'll try to seek knowledge elsewhere, which is a good thing, but what if it's kind of the knowledge that actually might not be completely productive for them or might not be from a good influence right hmm. and we've we've just spoken i mean in the media at the moment we can see that you know people trying to uh, seek knowledge from somewhere that might not necessarily be the best and then in- impacting their actions right so these type of things we have to open a channel of communication within home where we're able to where anything goes and in, in a kind of respectful manner and also being able to show our kids that you know this is a safe place uh, and what a lot of what a lot of kids struggle with and what a lot of people struggle with when they're living at home is do they feel like their emotions are safe or do they always feel like they're being slammed down at every corner yeah and so we we really have to do we have to do better really you know in this regard hmm. mm-hmm. well yeah thanks for that um you know you talked about the home um, I have a bit of an interest in this. Many people are now having to move back home because mm-hmm. they can't now live in their own properties. These are grown families with children who yeah. now are unable to go back and they're having to move back with their parents yeah. purely because their parents are on their own. They, they own their own property. They probably bought it when it was okay to buy. Sure. And their children who grew up, went away, had children, and mm-hmm. now can't afford to live in their homes are coming back home. Right. So yeah. what kind of advice then would you give? Because you talk about the home, you talk about the validation, and <clears throat> if for a grown man and a grown family to come back home again, I mean, in society, Absolutely. it's like, you know, you're 16 years old now, right, go, go and live your life. Exactly. But, so yeah. how is yeah. that, you know, how is that going to play out? I mean, there is every angle you look at, there yeah. is an issue that, that is going to create stress. But is that actually mental health? How can yeah. that not be mental? Because, Brother, you mentioned yeah. about how we label things. How mm. can we not label it so people think they want a pill? Okay, so basically, the the way that people behave with us, yeah. we kind of allow or disallow what 
what happens to us to an extent. So when I'm, what I'm talking about here is when you're talking about the adult to adult, now your adult son comes back or adult daughter comes back and lives with the parents, there needs to be a new reinforcement of boundaries there. Mm. And what I mean by boundaries is I mean that it's it's not that same kind of complacency that perhaps you may have had. And that's, that's hard to shake, right? Because imagine those years and it all brings it back when you go back home. But you have to understand the dynamics are actually truly a bit different now. A lot different, in fact, because you yourself are now a parent. And yes, you are still that um, son or daughter. And yes, there is like that, you know, natural duty of care, even if we look at it Islamically, right? But you do have your own life within that. And it's about not losing sight of that. So healthy boundaries, for example, um, being able to say no if it is something that you do not agree with, but in a sort of respectful way. Mm. Being able to understand that our timeouts, you know, times where you need to be sort of on your own with your spouse or with your kids or take them out somewhere, right? It doesn't always have to be that, okay, you know, you, you all, all, all have to always go at the same, at the same time and every single time. No, of course, go out as a family. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, all of you together. But there are some times where you kind of have to acknowledge that you are also a separate unit, even though you're living as a part of a whole unit. So one thing I would do say, the core thing of that is healthy boundaries from both sides. If we understand that, a lot of the conflicts can be eradicated because what it is, is is, is, it's usually some person, some party has not understood the concept of boundaries who has completely just bombards over it and just thinks it's not important but actually it is so important so you have to be firm in that and reinforce that as someone who is also a daughter-in-law and is a mom and is a you know i understand that you know this is something that does make things go so much smoother within that hmm. so i think and advocating for your your wife and also supporting your mother Supporting your father, but having to understand that the roles each have their place. Yeah, you know they all have their own unique importance. Yes, now, sir. Ali, many people, and, and when we spoke with Dr. Yusuf, this is you know we mentioned before, mm-hmm. just before we took you on, the inaccessibility mm-hmm. of counselling, of therapy, uh, yeah. NHS services at a breaking point. Uh, now you have a different model. If I can ask you, how does that allow more people to access the help that they may need? in light of uh, your you know, pay-what-you-can approach? Yeah, so my practice has the pay-what-you-can approach where people in this economic crisis, finance is one of the biggest barriers that are stopping people from accessing mental health help and, of course, availability. But if somebody is too expensive, there is a therapist available and they're too expensive, then you're going to maybe be like, oh, man, I wish I could, but I can't. I can't mm. even afford that. My pay-what-you-can basis is based on the things that I think the needs of the many are so integral right now. And I see that there's an, there's an economic gap that we need to bridge. And it should not, if other situations in your life are going completely to pot, why does your mental health also have to? So I kind of established this practice and this ethos in the respect that everyone deserves high quality therapy and alhamdulillah praise be to god i have a lot of experience now high quality therapy for a low cost they shouldn't Mm. have to do yeah without one to achieve the other you know and and they shouldn't have to get themselves into dire financial straits so i just i i want to give back to my community i want to give back to people i want to give back to i want to be able to be there and help in that struggle 
So hopefully I'm able to do that within within my practice and, you know, anyone else as well. You know, these kind of initiatives, they help with this crisis with NHS being inundated and these kind of things and IAT services and all this stuff, which is all very well. But there's so many limitations there that people are just suffering. Yeah. You know, they're alone yeah. and it doesn't have to be that way. Wonderful. You know? We wish you all the best for that. Thank you very much for joining us today. Anya Sami, mental health therapist and counsellor, joining us here on The Draft Time Show. Jazakallah, Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you very much, much sir. Take care. Assalamu alaikum. 0208-687-7878 is the number for you to call if you want to join the conversation. Yeah. I quite like that, you know, that concept. Hmm. Um, it, it's the cooperative way. You know, when you look at social care, the way you work in business and the way you share the responsibility in society to be able to solve the major problems that we're having today. And that that's a really good example for me to work in the community in a collaborative way to help and share the responsibility. And I, and I really commend that approach. And I think we should do kind of more of that, especially when we look at the adult social care where there's literally no more money left and we have an aging population. How then do you take that finite money and use it you mm. can't expect to have care all the time mm. you want to be able to spend that money in a slightly different way and i think people there's not the system's not geared up for that let me ask you gentlemen question mm. and brother daniel you'll be able to help me here because you've lived in south in in, in certain parts of asia mm. you lived in malaysia yeah. would you say mental health is a western issue or would you say it's an international issue? It's a global issue. Is it? It's a global issue. It's a, uh, it's uh, prevalent everywhere because we have global problems. The world is a global village now. Well, okay, let me let me qualify my question. It's yeah. it seems to me that in the West, the 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 remit or the boundaries of mental health is infinite. We, we, we don't set any boundaries. Everything, when, when we can't seem to find uh, a solution to a pressure or a, or a responsibility or when we talk of accountability of certain things um, and when it can't be, when an individual, I'm not talking young people, I'm talking across the board. Hmm. When, when people can't deal with something, we deem it as, oh, somebody's got a mental health problem. Hmm. And the reason I asked you is because, and, and yes, thank you. It is. I, I think sometimes mm. the, the the issue of mental health has become a scapegoat, which is the why I was asking Dr. Ahmed the question mm. that we have diluted the true meaning of the word mental health because every time a challenge appears and it can't be dealt with, and the reason I say across the board, I'm talking politics, parents, you name it. When when it can't when something can't be dealt with. We tend to use mental health as, uh, as as a as a support mechanism to say, look, yeah. let's label it and shove it down this 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 avenue, uh, and then it will it gets lost within the system. And the reason I, I'll come to you because I know you lived in Malaysia, mm. you've had experience of Southeast Asia, and yeah. in in Asian countries um, and especially um, countries like Korea. Um, China, mm. um, or even the subcontinent. I'm not saying there isn't mental health issues there. Of course there are. Mm. But I am talking the extent of what the mm. Western nations suffer 
I mean, there isn't an article or or a post on social media every single day where people talk about oh mental health, mm. and it's never the same thing. It's always something different. And I'm not looking to diminish here. I'm just looking to see if Brother, there's a I'm difference. I'm waiting for you to end your question. <laughs> no, because the, the, it, no, it, because because uh, the I reason you already the, answered it. The reason. <laughs> Thank you. Moving on. Yeah, the, the reason I say this because is because the look on a brother Hanif's face yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, is is like n- no, that can't be the case. Whereas, again, I I've experienced. Um, um, I've lived in the subcontinent. Yeah. yeah. And I don't see it. I see there's a problem, but yeah. I don't see it as. I think that's a, that's a diagnosis problem as well in the subcontinent. But but to your point, I I think you've made two points here. Mm. The first about Southeast Asia, and then you yeah. know about uh, about scapegoating here. So uh, the first one, I to the first one, I'd say that uh, I think uh, the pro- the problem is global. But what you see in Southeast Asia is generally that the coping mechanisms are better. What I mean by that is uh, not in terms necessarily of the the national health services over there. But in terms of the family support structure, yeah. that is still much more intact in Southeast Asia than it is in the West. The other is that there is a huge culture in in Southeast Asia still of eating healthy. Hmm. For example, you know, you go there, you go to Singapore, and you would see everybody drinking warm water hmm. with their with their meals, yeah. with their lunches and dinners, yeah. which is which is the opposite of what you see here yeah, in the West yes. because it helps with digestion. It's, it's uh, you know, it's so it just that's just one example. And then, you know, there, there's just uh, the whole concept of diet and uh, is, is slightly different over there. So I think it's it's um, uh, it's it's a different way of life. Weather. Over there, and, and therefore it is. Um, it is slightly, <laughs> slightly different. I, I know, uh, but I want to address the the other uh, uh, issue that you touched upon as well. I think it it'll be, it'll be naive. I think to say that um, uh, that uh, that a lot of people are scapegoating. They might obviously. I mean, there are all kinds of people everywhere, and there will be people who who might want to take advantage of the system. But in general, I think yeah, we've spoken to a couple of experts. The incidence is growing. I think there's there is evidence, there is research-based evidence that the incidence of mental health has grown here as well as globally. Uh, I, we'll continue with this, don't worry. Uh, but uh, before we do that, let's uh, take our next guest yeah. on the line uh, sure. uh, here joining us on the Draft Time Show is Kadra uh, Abdunasir. She's an Associate Director for Policy at the Centre for Mental Health and she leads the Centre's policy work to drive mental health equality across the life courses. Uh, she's been working in this for um, over a decade and she specialises in children and young people and oversees these teams behind the Children and Young People's Mental Health Coalition, which is a network of over 270 organizations. Uh, Kadra, good afternoon. Peace be upon you and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Uh, good afternoon. as and thanks for having me. Wa Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, we've spoken a little bit about um, the inaccessibility of these services. We mentioned at the beginning, just very briefly, about the age groups. But I want to get a little bit more uh, into that. Are there any specific age groups or demographics that seem to be, you know, more affected by these issues? And if so, why is that the case? Maybe that ties into the question that Brother Kiyum was asking as well. Is that something that affects maybe certain people from certain backgrounds or is that generally across the board? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to give you a bit of background on who we are. Um, so we're a charity 
and we carry out research to help affect positive changes in mental health and policy and practice. And we do this specifically through the lens of tackling inequalities and injustices in mental health um, because we want to make sure that everyone can enjoy positive mental health. Um, but sadly, the, the reality is that the evidence does show that some groups are disproportionately impacted by mental health problems than others. Um, we know, for example, that children growing up in poverty are four times more likely to face mental health problems than their wealthier peers. And we also, like the data shows that there are some stark gender differences with one in four teenage girls um, uh, being affected by common mental health problems like anxiety and depression. Um, and that's significantly higher than it is for teenage boys. However, later on, we do see that men are at greater risk of dying by suicide. So we really need to like understand and respond to some of these gender differences. Um, finally, I also just wanted to say, I guess, that groups who frequently experience racism and discrimination, and we know that, unfortunately, this is becoming you know more challenging uh, across the world, um, they are at greater risk of facing problems. So, for example, um, we collaborated a few weeks ago with the Wolf Institute to publish a Muslim mental health fact sheet because we really wanted to raise awareness of the disparities and the discriminations Muslims face. So um, that fact sheet is available on our website. And we really want to, we want researchers and services to become more aware of all these inequalities because for us, they don't have to be inevitable. There are solutions out there, but we need people to like understand them a bit more. Um, Gadra, if I may, um, I, I was looking up statistics, and 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 I, I don't know. You're you're probably the best person to ask. When whenever somebody questions the the, the notion of somebody suffering from mental health, they they have the same response as my three brothers here, who all had this. This, this this face of awe, how dare I ask this question, that mental health is sometimes used as a scapegoat. No, I'm you, not expecting that. You, you, you see the statistics. <laughs> so you can see my face. You, and, and, hold on, and, and, and now all three gentlemen. of us have a different expression on our face. Just yeah. by the way. <laughs> gentlemen, please. You see the statistics. Is that an unfair question to ask? Um, I think... It's an interesting point and it's something that comes up quite regularly in our work. And I think, you know, partly why people question why mental health is on the rise. One of the things that, we, you know, we need to consider is that we have made strides in our society in tackling stigma associated mm -hmm. with mental health. So because we're talking about it a lot more, I think people and families are able to sort of recognize those challenges and be more open and coming forward for support, which is a, a positive thing. Um, but on the flip side, I think the danger is that they can be sometimes over-pathologizing over of everyday experiences. So, you know, I hear, for example, in my work, a lot of the time, young people saying they're depressed or they have anxiety because of exams, for example. But it's normal to feel a little bit of anxiety when you, you know, when you have some something that might be a little bit challenging coming up. So in terms of our, like, societal and mental health literacy, that's still something that we need to address so that people don't see it as um, a scapegoat or mm. an excuse in society because it is a very real problem. Kadir, you've just made Brother Kayum's a day, uh, night, weekend, and probably the next week as well. Thank no, you no, for that. I, Thank I, you for that answer. I, I, I'll, be honest, I'll <laughs> qualify my question again. I am a father of a child who's or an adult who's autistic, and I get mm -hmm. tired of people saying, well, so-and-so is autistic, and I ask them, have they been diagnosed? And most of them come up with, well, no, I saw the symptoms online. 
Mm-hmm. And and I find yeah. it annoying mm. that I went through a process of years. It took yeah. five yeah. years to get a get a, a diagnostic. To, to get a diagnostic, yeah. and then people mm. refer to autism as mental health. Yeah, mental yeah. He- autism it, isn't yeah. mental health. Yeah, my yeah. my my daughter is autistic. That's her nationality. That's how mm-hmm. I describe it. That's her nationality. That's who she is. But then people label it as mental health, and it frustrates the living daylights out of me that people do that. Hence, why yeah. I ask always professionals that. Is mental health being diluted, the true meaning of it, that we are missing people who genuinely suffer medical mental health issues? Yeah, no, absolutely. And this, this is why conversations like this is, you know, really important for us to have. And and we should see mental health just as we see physical health. We can have good mental health and we can have, you know, poor mental health or mental illness. It's on a spectrum. But I think, you know, people can be a bit lazy with language and that's something you know through our work that you know it's, it's on us to kind of get that information mm-hmm. and accuracy out there really yeah um, i have one very quick question you don't have to answer it in full but the western world has a diet that can eat anytime any place anywhere and eat whatever they want doesn't matter what it is back in the day and especially other countries who don't have access to food eat intermittently how much of the diet affects the our mental health you yeah. don't obviously we don't have much time to maybe Specifically we can save for that children for children at a certain age yeah um but we don't have much time left for show maybe we can save that for another time but that's what's going through my mind Kajori, yeah, no, quickly yeah yeah i mean it's not my area of expertise mm. but diet um, movement and sleep are like crucial pillars for mm. positive mental health for anyone so mm. um i would echo that for sure yeah beautiful Kadra, thank you very much for for joining us today. Unfortunately, we don't really have there's like literally 90 seconds left to this part of the program, but thank you so much again for 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 joining us today and for sharing your, you know, invaluable um uh, expertise with us and with our listeners here on the Draft Time show. Uh thank you very much. Uh assalamu alaikum to you. All right, that was it from uh, this part of uh, the program. Now, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masoodham, the current caliph of the Amdi Muslim community and the fifth successor to the Promised Messiah, on whom be peace. He was asked um, advice, uh, to give any advice for those children suffering from mental health issues such as depression. This was uh, from the uh, Bukhino girls, meaning um, girls... From the, yeah, left devotees from from the United Kingdom here in one of his uh, virtual um, sessions, and he said that first you need to find out the underlying cause for their mental health problems. Those suffering should be taken to a psychiatrist by their relatives, and they should be treated properly. And full efforts should be made to rid them of their pain. Furthermore, see what time of the day their suffering is most accurate, uh, most acute. If it is in the morning at 10 or, or 11, then they should go out for a walk at that time to get some fresh air. Secondly, they should pray to Allah the Almighty and they should try to develop their willpower and determination. They should pray that Allah the Almighty brings them out of this phase. So medical care should be adopted and they should also pray. Mental health issues such as depression are an illness like any other. And so they should be diagnosed and treated properly. No one should make fun of those suffering or take it lightly. Seek repentance from Allah. And do your five daily prayers, then Allah removes these difficulties.
there's uh, so many things. I mean, if you start to dissect yeah. this, you know, few these few lines, uh, I I think we can go on for the next half an hour. Yeah. But I think two points here. Don't take it lightly. It's the responsibility of the family, of the relatives, to make sure that they get the treatment that they need and deserve. But also, never ever like neglect the part of the spiritual side of things, the connection with God Almighty, the prayers that you need to be doing at the same time. We're going to go to the five o'clock news, and then we'll be back after that. Stay with us. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the Draft Time Show here on the uh, on Voice of Islam. Um, with me, I have the three musketeers, and we're just going to conclude. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you do the pick. I'll let you do the pick. So you're not from Spain now, are you? <laughs> you got a bit of a Canadian, German, English. He's, he's yeah. Mr. International. Um, yeah, so we're going to wrap this uh, topic up of uh, young people and the mental health yeah. issues being on the rise, um, Brother Hume. Yeah. Look, um, last weekend it was the um, annual gathering of the, the youth. Um, of the Amdi Muslim community, the Amdi Muslim Youth Association got together, um, which is an annual event. Mm. Um, and uh, a lot of young, a, a lot of our professionals, like Dr. Aziz Afiz, who's the chairman of um, Humanity First, he, he sat down around a campfire um, and, and you know, gave examples of the experiences he's, he's had over the, over the past two, three decades that he's been um, involved in Humanity First. And we had... Um, also, brother Munir Odeh, who is our director of production for Muslim Television Amdia, who gave his experiences. Um, the, the the reason I wanted to mention that is because there is a lack of belonging for the youth in 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 at the moment, and and the fact that there is a lack of places where people can or young people can look to for guidance, for inspiration, for motivation. Um, they they feel that there is this crazy 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 amount of loneliness in young people that doesn't get spoken about which creates um that that creates the the, the mental health the stress the pressure um the the youth of today the pressures they have are far far beyond the pressures that i probably had at my age sure. centuries ago mm. we had less choice mm. today there is so much to choose, and mm. if you don't make a choice, you're in trouble. Peer pressure also has increased tremendously. Exactly, exactly. Mm. the The reason I mentioned the, uh, the 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 youth uh, organization is that that is a solution that nobody seems to want to come to. Youth centers, the Amdi Muslim community has successfully demonstrated in practice mm. how to motivate and 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 God is faith is what brings everyone together yeah, yeah. and and I'm, I'm sure brother Raza and and, and, and mm. both of you other gentlemen here will, will, will qualify this within your friends and, and family circles that I, I I personally experienced have not seen that much um, signs of mental health issues within youth and community because because they belong yeah 
they 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 get invited not just it's not a a, a one off annual event it's a daily event i think also because they showed a path yes they they're given a direction yeah. from a young age from a young age and as you were absolutely rightly saying that uh, generally speaking youth find them themselves lost because there is no leadership because there is no mentorship yeah um they um um they find it difficult and both of these things mm. are alhamdulillah by the grace of god in ample supply yeah. within the amdi community. community yeah um brother hanif if i may come to you finally isn't this the exact reason that this motivation this belonging is practiced quite successfully by gang leaders who use this philosophy yeah. because i know within your career you've come across so many of yeah, these yeah it's um they they take the vulnerability of children that's right and i'll give you a quick true fact exactly what happens they take the young children who are looking on the edges or seeing what's looking on the inside yeah. they bring them in they buy them a few nice little things and they send them on a job yeah. and to go and deliver some money yeah. to to another postcode they arrive at the postcode to do a little bit of job they get beaten up and the money gets taken off them and they come back to the gang leader and the gang leader says what happened now you owe me yeah. but actually it was planned that the boy would be mm. beaten up and the money would be taken off and therefore he's indebted so that is when you mention the gang yeah. problem that is a reality it happens it's been happening for many many years now it's been recognized but not no solution has been brought forward that was just to answer a little but, bit but, about but, that but it, it, the the family thing right so the, so the respect and the sense of belonging it's a big problem yeah. because when you've got parents on the hustle yeah. two jobs right. father comes home does a day's job then he goes out to do maybe do some taxiing or something to pay there's no family dinner there's no big long table mm. where, which we would love to see where we sit down and talk and and then see how the day goes that doesn't happen uh, food is made quickly in the microwave pot noodles are done you're back in your room that there's lots of fun yeah but th that's that's the one thing i just want to end on is where we talk about the isolation although we have all this technology we're more yeah. connected mm. but the reality is is that we are less connected to the people around us and we have no interaction mm. so we we can talk to someone in america and australia straight away but we can't even talk to our own parents and siblings and brothers because th that breakdown of family unit is is going in our society and how do we bring yeah. that back it's conversation like we're having today and the youth organization that you mentioned about what happened last weekend sitting around a campfire i remember i used to be in the scouts we used to go camping we used to have the campfires and put the mushrooms um you know on the fire and and have the, and have the chats you know and all those things and, uh, absolutely and not just the youth association i mean today I, you know the reason brother kayum is in such a good and happy mood is because his association which is Ooh. the elders association <laughs> is meeting up is having a, a three day yeah, meet and it's yeah. starting i have the program it's, yeah. part of this it, it's starting yeah. today so, so i've got the program in front of me it starts at 4:30 over 40 start at 4:30 <laughs> <in the studio. laughs> You see that the brother Daniel has demonstrated how I am aging gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> very gracefully. Yes, and very in gracefully. the in, yeah. in the wise words of brother Kim, laughter finish off finish laughter. off finish laughter is the best yeah, medicine. Yeah, laughter always, is always the best good. medicine. Yeah. But just to finish off, look, yeah. one of the reasons why in Islam congregational prayers are given so much importance because it gives you that connection with God Almighty. and god almighty has said once you if you get together in the house of god 
the 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 that that communication you will get with God and that reward you will get with 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 uh, in, in doing congregation prayer and collective prayers will be tenfold. Yes. It's not just you know a commandment of God. Everything in Islam is rational. There is a reasoning behind it. And if one was to look around the world with all the with all the misery that is being suffered by Muslims Ooh. around the world, there is one thing one thing that you cannot take away from these Muslims is that they do not forget to go to they, they do go to the mosque. Mm. They do collectively do their prayers. And you know, it and they still have that unity, which is actually frowned upon within the West because they've tried their best to stop um, that this spread of Islam, this spread of this congregation. Um, yet, the more um, the more people try to uh, try to break this 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 practice within Muslims, uh, the, the 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 effect has always been um, the opposite. I I would say to you, look, um, togetherness, community, family, yeah. brother uh, brother Hanif talked yeah. about it. Yeah collectiveness is where the the solution lies and and of course I, I will say this I'm sure some of you might agree some of you might disagree it starts at home of course it okay, starts very hard at to home. disagree with that mm. parents have to make sacrifices I'm not saying they're not I'm saying if you're making a sacrifice not working maybe you need to make more maybe you need to think out of the box but it's got to start at home. 100%. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, aspirations for people, which family you get born into, yeah. wealthy families or people at good schools have access to great things to help your mental health. You end up in a, in a community where the inequalities are there. You don't find a, a swimming pool with it's about a thousand but, people. But, but, brother Hanif, brother Hanif, I I work with the, the I work yeah. I work in a in a field where I come across people who have more wealth and then they don't know what to do with. And let me, I I, I what, there's this myth of of money. I can assure you the rate of suicide in people who have untold amount of money mm. is actually higher. Of course, because that this issue of mental health is the solution isn't money. We we need to get away from that. It is not money. Sure. That's provisions, not the point I was making. Provisions. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. There needs to be provisions that then there is a collective responsibility with the government, be it national, regional, local, but be it within society. But I can assure you, money is not the solution to uh, reducing the rate of mental health. With that. Okay. We would like to say thank you and move on to topic number two, Brother Kiyum. Yeah. Look, brother, the, <laughs> the the topic, the second hour is is going to be a discussion, and we're going to be talking to some uh, guests as well who um, will uh, shed some light on on the topic we're talking about. Um, um, firstly, I'd like to apologise um, because initially the subject was incorrectly; um, it was about education and knowledge, and it should have been education and wisdom. And what's the connection? Um, and I was actually discussing it with my with my fellow brothers in the studio here just before we came on air. That uh, I was telling them why I was so adamant that I want to discuss this because uh, of an incident that happened thirty odd years ago, and we were talking about uh, mental health earlier. And I, I gave you an example of my daughter and somebody thirty years ago when my daughter was uh, um, or, or about twenty seven years ago 
when my uh, my 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 daughter was diagnosed with autism, um, a, f- a supposed friend came to me and said to me, who was a very very um, qualified and Isn't academic it? PhD, mm-hmm. uh, said to me, oh, this is a payment, of, you know, sins and whatnot, and and this is how God is punishing you, and 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 and, and there were so many other statements that were made uh, by different people who. The, and the one thing that was common between all of these people were they were highly qualified professional people who had this this uh, this um, opinion on on disability being some kind of a a punishment or or a, or, or a um, you know sin or whatever you know it's it 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 kind of warped the mind. But then time passes and you think you know society has progressed so much has happened over time. But last week something similar happened. And and I, and I thought to myself, I'm not a I'm not an I'm not an academic, but why is it that people who are so highly qualified in some. different no no but what some okay we're not that's, that's fair some that's fair yeah. some people who are so highly qualified and we um, give them the responsibility to teach our next generation, but they develop such. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Help me out here, guys. Who, who who lack wisdom? Uh, who actually who lack knowledge? Common sense. They well, what does I'm sure yeah. your father is, said it as well. My father says is that <laughs> common sense is something that was around in their days, because sense isn't common anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's that you study, you spend decades in a subject. Yet, what you have achieved, is it knowledge? I mean, I think you're, what you're trying to say is that if you achieve something, you learn something, you become an expert in it, yeah. you're expert in your field. It's a discipline, right? But does that make you, do you know everything? But no, you know what's in your field. You yeah. become an, an astronaut or you become physics. So you, you become, become an expert in that, in that field. field. Yeah. It doesn't make you... Full of wisdom now, around the world, right? Exactly. Now, yeah, you might think, about. I'm here, I'm going to set up on acad- beat up on academics. I'm not. That was the end of that kind of thought process because I thought, well, there's something beyond that which is missing because there are these people who are experts, but then we look at our school system, we look at people who govern us, we look at in the society that we're living we we listen to experts. We look at social media. We look at... And then I looked on Google. And I thought, okay, let's look at inspiration. Everyone talks of TED Talk. Everyone talks of quotes from philosophers. Everyone talks a good game. But people are not practicing. Hmm. But then there's one thing that came to mind. And again, I'll go back to it some 30 odd years ago. I went to a personal development seminar. And there was this Australian personal development teacher who walked into this this seminar. And there must have been a hundred of us. And I've given this example before. He looked at us and he goes, well, how many of you believe in God? And I think 90% put their hands up. And he goes, well, Muslims go in that corner. Christians go in that corner. Hindus go in that corner. And the rest of you who believe in something or the other go in that corner. There must have been 10 people who left in the middle who said, well, we don't believe in anything. Hmm. And he says, well, you 10, I'm going to teach. All of you rest, you can leave. And we were sitting there thinking, what? He goes, well, you believe in God. You have scriptures. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't follow your scriptures, why are you coming to see me? 
<laughs> what makes you mm. think I am going to tell you something True. that will inspire you and motivate you to do something in your life? He looked at the, he looked at us and he goes, well, you've got the Holy Quran. You've got the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. You've got his life mm. in writing. You've got it in front of you. But you think me, humble, is going to be able to tell you? And if you were to look at social media, mainstream media, all the quotes that all these mm. people following, none of them say Prophet Confucius. Nobody says Prophet Krishna. Nobody says Prophet Moses, Noah, Abraham, peace be on all, all of them. Nobody mentions, well, some of these things came from the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon them. They are actually, they're not, unless you specifically look, those names aren't there. Mm. Their teachings have been taken by people who came way after them. I mean, if and, you, and, yes. and 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 yes, and and yes, yes. and people are following yeah. all all of these philosophers. And so, on on that note, yeah. Just just finish that. But on yeah. that note, I think there's a quote that I found from the Promised Messiah um, that fits quite well on that. Yeah. I, I believe. Okay. No, please. Yeah. I, Please say that quote. I would like to say, when you mentioned about knowledge, the golden age of the Islamic world, yeah. we're still using utensils today that have gone all the way through the knowledge that was done through there, what they learned, but they were pushed mm. through what was in the Quran to learn. I'm glad you gave like, the example. What's the only university that teaches that Islamic age? Cambridge and Oxford. Yeah. It is not something that is taught. Mm. So like the eyeglass, the camera. How many people do you think in the West? medical world, they're still using the same utensils, Agreed. syringes. They but, all came from that But age. this is my point. Yeah. When's the last time this was spoken in our education system that these things, which would be normal, which should be normal knowledge. What we are teaching, what we are making our kids an expert on, even that's not based on fact. But you create... Look, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Maybe you, you can you know, jump in here as well. If you look at education, if you look at the schooling system in any country what, whatsoever, what's the end goal? The end goal is you produce workers, you produce leaders yep. that will do a specific task for you which they will master over a period of years. Hmm. And that's pretty much it. Yep. How they get there, what uh, means they apply, that's completely up to them. Isn't it? It is. So when you take out religion, you know, the morality compass, the that, morality aspect, the ethics, the the values, and all of that has, has you know, drifted into the background. Well, it's diminished completely. No, we're talking about it. Yeah, you should be a good person, whatnot, all good and fine. But um, if you think of someone who was educated here 30, 40 years ago in Christian schools or in religious schools, there was more than just algebra. There was more than just sciences, wasn't it? Exactly. But the point is, we're not practicing. We read it. Even, the, again, I'll go back to the TED Talks and all these platforms that people listen to. They go, they applaud, and then they go back to doing <laughs> what, what they normally do. Again, uh, a conversation with a young young business person. Um, uh, and the question was asked um, about marketing in, in, in the business field. And, and I said, well, you can't lie. And he looked at me and he goes to me, Yes, of course, you're right. You can't lie. But you'll never make any money if you don't. And I said, 
But then you go to all these personal development courses, mm. you read these books, you read these quotations, yet you say you can't lie. And But you practice it differently. What's the point? You there can't is, lie within the no, no, rules no. and regulations no. that have been defined by the people putting okay. the thing What you've just said to yeah. me, it goes back to a psychologist who said... 100% correct, you can't lie, but then finish the conversation by saying, well, I tell my child sometimes a small white lie. No, that's not and I thought saying. to myself, hold on, we we spend so much time qualifying lies because that's become the norm. Hold Where's on. the wisdom? Hmm. What I'm saying is, in everything, all the examples I've given... Reason and wisdom. Th- there is no reasoning. There is no rationality. There is absolutely zero wisdom. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hmm. Yeah. The jobs, the, the skill sets you learn, for example, Ford manufacturer who introduced specialization in the car manufacturing business. At the time, it was pretty good to increase production. He made every car the same. He taught everybody exactly the same thing to produce the car. You only got one car. That was it. How Ford Model started. T. Right. But that was something he learned. And through his knowledge and through his skill, he created specialization. Today, we, would, we wouldn't do that anymore because people want choice. So they might want a bit of a green car. They want a t- different shape. So the car industry, the way it's manufactured, has changed. That's come through experts learning their field and adapting and learning more stuff. A doctor that one day could see your leg broken but didn't know where it was broken. Someone developed an x-ray machine that allowed him to see no, where that x-ray you're, was done. You're taking it. You're, no, I, I'm talking in general education. I'm talking in general, of course, what you're saying is specialized fields is what Brother Raza says, that, uh, you know, in specialized yeah. fields, nobody's denying progression. Of course, progression and, and, and the man ha- has evolved in a sense where they're using more intelligence and, mm. and, and, and progression. Yeah. That's part yeah. and parcel of the Islamic faith. You know, progression will happen. You have to believe in progression. Right. I'm me, talking. But then just go back to the first hour. Exactly. You have all this progression, but then one in five, like five children yeah. in one classroom yes. are facing mental health. Yeah. That's and, right. And that's the. That's exactly the point. So without suffering, without suffering, you can't progress. And sometimes people blame, just before Daniel comes, people blame God Almighty for all the suffering. If there were no suffering, how would we progress in society? Is that not to teach people people us to go and learn more stuff? Yeah, Yeah, to go back to what Brother Kiyo was saying, I think uh, you're conflating two different issues there. One issue is education formal or informal, Mm -hmm. going to seminars, going into personal development workshops, which I think it would be a uh, it would be a fallacy to to say that it would it would be folly to say that it is it doesn't add value if you go to these workshops and and you you remain and illiterate even if you attend those. But yeah, just let me finish. So that I think that's so that's one argument, mm-hmm. which is you know that that there's this uh, investing in education, investing in yourself, and the importance uh, of that. The other issue that you're talking about lying. So that's morality. I think what the, the issue really is that in the modern world, uh-huh. and that was what we were talking about earlier in the first hour as well, that morality has evaporated from the society mm-hmm. because there is no because religion has it evaporated and therefore there is no moral compass. But but brother anymore. Daniel, this goes back to what brother Raza was referring to. Yeah, I agree with you to a certain de- a, a point where personal development. 
most of the person development, what they teach, comes from scriptures. If you go back to scriptures, a lot of, when let's look at time management. Let's look at time management. The guy I spoke to, he looked at it and he goes, well, you've got five times a day prayers. He knew where what he was teaching in that seminar, which was on time management. He knew that within the Islamic world, you don't need to go on a seminar of uh, time management right. when you have the practice. What he was saying is, you have got the practice of five daily prayers. No, but that's the thing, brother. That most Muslims are not even aware that no, that no, exists. That's another. That's another thing. Yeah. What, what I'm saying is, as a teaching, what he was saying in the modern world, as you so rightly said, it's just a teaching. Whereas the original teaching, what where he got it from, mm. had wisdom. It had reasoning. The same teaching over time has diluted. The same teaching which had ethics, morals, values, reasoning. It, there was a wisdom behind that teaching. That wisdom has disappeared today. Is, isn't that what you were saying, Brother Rosa? Yeah, and uh, again, what I wanted to say, the quote that I found, there's actually two of them, right? So in one of them, the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Yemeni Muslim community, states that religion comprises all those matters which lead man from his wild condition to the condition of true humanity and then lead him from the condition of humanity to a life of wisdom and thereafter lead him from a life of wisdom to a life that is devoted to God. So that's one. What he also spoke about the function of reason. He said that it is true that, the, that reason is also a lamp which God has furnished to man, the light of which draws man towards truth and saves him from a variety of doubts and suspicions and sets aside different types of baseless ideas and improper conjectures. It is very useful, very necessary, and is a great bounty. Yet, despite all this, it suffers from the shortcoming that it alone cannot lead to full certainty in the matter of the understanding of the reality of things. So you can have all of these sure. things, yeah. but if you have one thing missing... Absolutely. And, and I think... Let me probably solve, solve the, the question that's uh, in your mind, uh, Brother Kim, in a slightly different way. I think wisdom still exists. Wise men still exist. It's just the society in general and the media in general has decided to focus on on things and people who are not very wise. Hmm. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. And, but and, but, but you know, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that a... That's so wrong. It is wrong. Obviously, it is wrong. And, you know, so many examples. Forget about religion. Yeah. I, I think one of the uh, one of the most knowledgeable and wise people in the world today is a gentleman, is a professor called Norm Chomsky. You would never see him on mainstream media. Never, ever would you see him on BBC or Sky News. Ever, hmm. ever. Uh, because, and, and therefore billions of people are not even aware that, that it's such a gentleman exists. Mm. To pick up your point, all of our, we are all parents here. The system you just so described, which is, which scares the living daylights out of me, our children are going to be taught in this system. Mm. Their children are going to be taught in this system. The system is, there, there's no white, there's no wisdom left. It's not being valued. So let's let's brother Hanif disagrees with me, and I'm sure he will come back to me later on. Let's yeah. have the guest. First. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna yes. speak to someone who. Yeah. Um, so w what we're saying is basically that in 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 all in the grand scheme of things, you can acquire all the knowledge, you can acquire all the wisdom, mm -hmm. you can acquire everything, the education, the highest of 
highest educations. But if that education, that knowledge, that wisdom is of no use to the wider public, to the wider society, to humanity, to humanity then what good is it? Exactly. If it was just for you to acquire it and then build an imperium, uh, an empire on it, and just you know have money, and, and, and that's and then the end you of give it. yourself credit exactly for, for for becoming who you are. What well, was then I will contest that that's not wise at all. No, it's not. <laughs> but that's the norm. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the, the, you exactly. know, it's like, but if someone at the moment knew academic the system, excellence breeds egos. On. If someone yeah. knew the system and had to use the system to their advantage to make lots of money, would you say that's not someone being wise? No, of course not. Would that I be would someone selfish? Smart. Manipulative. No, no, smart, selfish. I wouldn't even say smart. I, I wouldn't mean, say yeah, smart. I mean, uh, selfish, definitely. Selfish, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I think the the arrogance part also yeah. plays into this, but we'll, yeah. we'll we'll get to this in in just a little bit. Dor- joining us now on the draft time show is our next guest for today, um, Doctor Afan Rafur is joining us. He is currently a surgeon uh, who uh, practices in Germany, but I have seen him on social media, and I know from uh, you know other sources as well. Anytime there is any kind of project so humanity first is one of the you know ngos or uh, charity organizations set up by the army of some community and they have been out to the ukraine they have been out to turkey to syria and you name it so anytime there is a disaster any kind of conflict zone um dr afan Rafur makes it a habit to join wherever he can so jazakallah thank you very much for joining us today and assalamu alaikum to you Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me. Um, Dr. Fawn, I want to ask you, you, how long did it take you to finish your studies? Uh, so, as, uh, basically, I started my studies after completing my high school exam here in Germany. I asked for the for the guidance of Hazur and I uh, completed my studies for around, after around seven years. So, seven years it took you. And then what you do now is, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you sacrifice your own time. You take out time from work and you go to these disaster zones with humanity first. I believe you went to the border of Ukraine. Um, Maybe you can mention some of the other projects that you were involved in. After speaking about that, I want to ask you, why do you do that? Uh, so uh, I uh, traveled with Humanity First here um, from Germany to different uh, disaster sites and also into different countries which are in need. Uh, for example, in Africa, um, there have had a lot of opportunity to serve also in Togo, Benin, in uh, Madagascar also, um, but also now in Turkey and um, also on the border to Ukraine. So these are different countries. What, what do you do there? Camp. So when you went to Turkey, when you went to 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 Ukraine, what 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 exactly did you do there? Uh, so basically, in uh, Ukraine, in uh, Turkey, after the um, earthquake there, um, are there to help the people in need. Uh, so uh, we went there in, the, in this disaster setting and set up a, um, a medical relief inside one of these uh, refugee camps. Uh, uh, it was uh, in the most heated uh, um, area around uh, where we set, our, set up our camp. And then we had the, the people who were there in need. And, camps. and you took out time from work? Yes, I took a time from work 
um, so for example, I use my uh, holidays for it and hmm. yeah, my, over, my overtime I, I collected. And now you tell us why. Uh, so, so why I do this? So why um, why didn't it's... you go to like let's say Dubai or Spain and uh, chill at the beach instead of that? <laughs> you use your holidays to. Well, if if I may, before you do that, yeah. what did you tell your work people where you were going? I I told them uh, clearly I I don't I'm not going to holidays. I'm saving up this time and going to uh, going into these, these different countries. But every everybody's saying why are you doing this? <laughs> and and uh, how many because... of them, how many of them said are you mad? Have you lost your mind? Hello. Everybody, everybody, so, almost and, everybody. And, and that's the point we are discussing today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for me, it's um, I see it as a Muslim. Uh, for me, it's a respons responsibility for me to use my abilities I collectors, uh, collected over the past years to use for the betterment of the people. Because uh, you can uh, work here in Germany, for example, also uh, working in, in a hospital and just doing your job and going back home and uh, spending your money. Uh, but for me, it's also I think it's it's a responsibility knowledge uh, we acquired um, to work also in these countries which are in in a lot of need. Because for example, I see it every day nowadays. Uh, doctors from different countries which are in need are coming to Germany to work here because uh, the the opportunities here to work are better mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. uh, and the the the, the medical uh, supply in these countries where the people are coming from is uh, getting much worse and worse so we need to transfer this knowledge we acquire here also to these countries back dr kafur you've clearly mentioned why you do this mm. what does it give you for me uh, first of all uh, it it, uh, it gives me a sense of um, yeah, I know I'm I'm um, helping people who are in need, and it gives me um, also uh, different uh, learning experiences because I know I get this this knowledge uh, how to treat uh, treat uh, some uh, disease, but in but the the the, the body isn't like a machine. Every country and every every uh, disease is uh, uh, looking the same in every every people uh, every every human have different kind of diseases and you see it in different symptoms and going into these countries you also get a lot of uh, new knowledge and to apply this knowledge gives you uh, also uh, more experience would it be fair to say doctor that it, it or does it give also give you um, maybe some satisfaction and also a sense of purpose and direction in life a sense of purpose, yes. In in life, you know, uh, you're working for a bigger, uh, bigger uh, goal for the betterment of the people, for a bigger goal. Um, but also, it gives me a sense uh, of um, that that I know I'm doing something good and uh, working towards the same goal. Uh, Doctor, thank you very much uh, for that description. It's wonderful. So, when you travel to say a disaster zone and you pitch up a tent, you have your medical supplies, you've gone in the car, put petrol in the car, you've actually spent money. It's not necessarily your money, but someone would have donated that money for your work to take place. So you are a very qualified doctor, you have knowledge, Surgeon. intelligence, and you have the ability to cure people. But that's very commendable. But would you also say the the facilities and the resources that were provided to you to do your job 
is also something that is essential for you to do your job. If you didn't have that, you would be able to go and treat people, right? Yeah, um, right. and I have seen this in my work, for example, in Turkey. Uh, that uh, in comparison to other other uh, organizations which are working there, yeah. Humanity First is a really really small organization. But with these small donations, we have mm. we have a much much bigger impact in helping these people which mm. are in need. And also the 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 government's author is saying that the small small amount you have, you're doing much better work than these big bigger organizations. Mm. Yeah, but so it's, a, it's right. also Humanity First. It's a kind of using your uh, resources you have. In the best, in the best right. way. So, so the kind of question I'm, I'm also, I'm not asking, you, expect you to answer, but it's just the conversation we had before you came on. We're talking about wisdom and someone who has lots of money, and they've worked the system, and they've earned lots of money from it, but they've spent it and given it to you to do your job. Is there, is that, is that's the beneficial thing for you to do? So the question that we had here is that although you're working the system and you're making money from it, but if you're using the money that you earned to allow someone like you to do your job, is that someone showing um, humanity, courage, intelligence, wisdom? Or what would you put that down to? I think in the end it comes down to the intention which one has okay. to get this, uh, all this money. So if, if his intention is to help the people and to get all this money to uh, spend it, for example, on the big car, then I think it's not commendable. But he's, if, he's, if his intention is to get all this money and to spend it on the people in need, I think it's commendable. Yeah. And then he sacrifices it also for humanity first. So I, I just want to clarify, when you said to me, when you said working the system, I took it in a negative sense, that you were you were saying something... Um, kind of manipulating the system. Sure, that's how. That's why no, I, I understand, and this is why I wanted to kind of explain, explain where. But if I may, well done. Is it Doctor Gafur? Are you a surgeon, or in because in UK a surgeon is not a doctor. A, a doctor is. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I've heard this discussion in in, in the UK. In Germany, it's <laughs> in Germany. Everybody who's working in the in the medical field is, you can say, is also the doctor. Doctor Gafur, or I might say, Brother Gafur, if you may allow me. Yeah, I, yeah. Mother of fun. That's um, possible for me. We're talking about yeah. you being a surgeon or a doctor and going. It sounds to me, even if you weren't, you'd still be going mm. to to yeah. to these places and and assisting and 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 trying to help humanity. Why would you Why would you do that if if I am correct? Uh, for me, I think it's. Uh, working as a doctor is also giving me a little bit more, um, yeah, the the courage to go in these countries. Because if I wouldn't be in the medical field, it's for me it would be difficult to know how how can I help the, these people, these people in need. Because if you're not in the medical field, uh, but going there, I, I saw that uh, it's uh, not paramount to have uh, special knowledge, but the most important thing is to be willing to help the people. And to have this, um, this inner, so it goes back to intention. Intention, yeah, yeah. To yeah. so have this intention to help the people, and then there's there's coming an opportunity how you can help the people. Also, if you're a doctor, it's it's also when if I go there in these countries, sometimes uh, also as a doctor, it can be that you're uh, going there and then uh, helping the people if you're uh, uh, providing them food, if you're cooking food. So it comes down to if you're willing uh, to help the people, then the uh, opportunity will, uh, will arise. 
with all the experience you've gained, with all the trips you've done to various different places, would you say it has made you wiser? Would you say you have gained wisdom from your experience, which you have learned from experience, not from your academic excellence? Yeah, I think it's also in the medical field, it's really a paramount to have to know how to use your knowledge. You have to have knowledge because if you don't know where to place your 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 knife, you, you can't do a surgery. So you have to know how to use the knife or where to use the knife. But also, if you're uh, in the medical field or in, in, in every field, if you don't know how to use your knowledge, um, it's 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 not of use. It's not that that much of use. Has it improved you as a human being? Yeah, also because you have. If you go in the come in these countries, it's a humbling experience because mm. uh, you know you can be um, yeah, grateful to Allah uh, that you have these things in these developing countries. Uh, and, because and if you go there, you know what 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 is missing. Missing. You you just use the words grateful to God Almighty. Why is that important? Why is that even relevant? Um, for 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 uh, you have to be grateful, and uh, because if you be if you are grateful, Allah Taala gives you more things, uh, or gives you gives you more uh, opportunities to serve and also to be better in your field. So, if I was talking to a non-Muslim and trying to explain to him, yeah. you're a surgeon, you're a doctor. Is it because of sheerly because of your own excellence and your own abilities, or has God played a part in it? For me, I think God has played the the whole, the whole part because for me, after I, as I completed my studies, I didn't know what to do. So I did the best thing, or the, the next best thing. I, I asked the messenger of Hazur, I asked, I asked Hazur, what should I do with my with my grades? Uh, where should I go outside and just earn money? But uh, Hazur guided me with his with his knowledge and also directly. For me, it's uh, for us MDs. It's it's the direct guidance um, from we think from Alatana, where we have to use our knowledge. And for me, it's um, after, without the knowledge or without the help of Alatana, I, I wouldn't be there where I am now. So it's it's the most important thing. Wonderful. I think with that, uh, I want to thank you um, for answering our ad hoc questions. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, for and for your honest answers. Yeah. Um, I wish you a fantastic uh, weekend and uh, evening ahead, brother. May peace be with you. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having yeah. me. All right, let's let's take the conversation that step forward because it's, we've got 15 minutes left. Yeah. One again, you know, everything we discuss needs to come to a, a certain point of what we are looking to get at, and mm. one of the reasons why I said that um, um, wisdom is missing, um, and kind of Brother Raza helped me out here when he said, well, there's no reasoning left, there's no rationality left. Um, in, in everything we're doing, um, in life in general, um, God is missing. You know, um, and it's important for us to, to question that. Um, the reason God is missing is because people are, um, or, or it's a question I'm asking, and, and maybe you can answer it, that the belief systems that they do have or that they did have suddenly isn't making sense to them anymore because they're not reaping any rewards or um, they've given up waiting for somebody to come and assist them um, in their in hardships in their challenges 
in everyday life, um, people are praying. It's not that they're not praying um, in their respective faiths. They are praying, yet they seem to uh, still be facing challenges. They still seem to be um, not getting um, that that contentment and that fulfillment that they 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 are uh, they are they are aiming for. And most importantly, it's something that we discuss on a regular basis. Uh, I know me and Brother Raza have always talked about it, that there's so many different angles, that everybody's waiting for the uh, for, for the Savior. Um, and uh, they're, they're waiting for the um, the Messiah, um, in, 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 uh, in not so many words. Um, to look for the Messiah... You need to look out of the box, would you say? I mean, or you need wisdom? You need wisdom, but also you need humility. Mm -hmm. um, if That's I'm so. thinking back to the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, there were, you know, the, the, there was this conversation <laughs> that uh, was there between uh, the Muslims, Abu Sufyan, who had not converted at that time, and the, the, the king of Abyssinia. Who was a Christian? Najashi. Najashi Negus, yeah. who was who was the, who was the ruler of Abyssinia at that time. So, what happened was the Muslims migrated to Abyssinia mm. um, due to that persecution, due to the opposition that was that were that were that they faced in Mecca. Now, the Meccans they went after the Muslims because they were not willing to just give up and let them go and have a nice life and whatnot. So they went after them. And then there was a session in front of the king, in front of the ruler of Abyssinia. And there was a question and answer session. And the Muslims were asked certain questions. Who is your, yeah, who, who, who have you accepted? Who is your prophet? Was he from a rich background? Was he from, uh, a, 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 does he have a royal background? Who is believing in him? Who is accepting his message? So the Muslims were answering all of that, all of those questions. And one of the questions, as I said, was who is accepting that prophet? Who is believing in him? And uh, I'm not sure what the name of the companion was. At I think it was Amr bin As. Yes, yes, exactly. As it's Amr bin As. Mm. And he answered that it is mostly the weak. Yeah. It is mostly the poor, the poor who are accept uh, accepting mm. him. And then once this conversation, this Q&A was done, uh, Najashi, the, the, the king, the ruler of, of Abyssinia, he, he explained the reasoning why he believes him to be a true prophet. And he says it's, it's never the, 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 it's always the poor and it's always the, the weak that accept prophets. Mm. Why? Because in the, in the rich and in those who are leading those, those societies, there's always a hint of arrogance. Egos. Egos. Pride. This man who used to be one of us, who grew up in this society, now he claims to be a prophet. Now he claims to be the one chosen by God Almighty. There, and, and the Holy Quran talks about this as well, that every time a prophet has come to a society, people will say, why you? Yeah, exactly. There's been, there's so many, many who are better than you. Right. They're more educated. They're, they're, they're richer. They're more intelligent. They're more this. They're more that. So, that arrogance that that comes out, that ego that comes out, that I deserve it more than you. Yeah. But it is the other way around. 
the Holy Prophet and every Prophet, they humble themselves to the utmost. It's the character, not the things. Exactly. And you have to, look, you have to, if you want to succeed in the spiritual sphere, you have to be the lowest okay. of the low. So the challenge today is that people don't want to pursue in that way. They want to pursue in profit. Yes. They want to pursue yeah. a better car. But they don't get the point that you're making. No, but but you, you've, you've hit yeah. the nail on the head, brother. We want everyone to be educated. Of course, we talk of education. Mm -hmm. We promote education. How many times have we sat here, talked of Afghanistan and all these other countries where... And even we talk of this country where, you know, there's a, now everyone has the opportunity to become educated. But then, to what end? To what means? We are educating people to such a point now, or this arrogance that Brother Raza talk about, that once they become educated, they reject any other yeah. teaching. Hence why other, your original comment from that exactly, professor 30 years ago. That he's so educated. <laughs> you know, this goes back to yeah. kind of connect say, well, that yeah. he was so educated that he believed that he yeah. was, that he was it. Man's got a PhD. Hmm. That anyone who is not qualified or not educated, how, what would they know? Because they're not educated. And yeah. this has been the case with prophethood across well, since Prophet Adam. Since Prophet Adam. And and, and I, again, look, <laughs> in the time of the promised Messiah, and we believe to be a prophet as well, not a law-bearing prophet, but, you know, a, a subservient prophet, yeah. ob obedient to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. That was the same issue. That was the same problem. That those who were, um, I mean, at that time, he, he used to have these, I wouldn't say battles, but, well, spiritual debates. battles. Debates and discussions. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Against uh, some uh, some of the Christian priests, for example, who came from from the West, um, from uh, America or here from 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 the United Kingdom, and if you read the the texts of that time, if you read their travel journeys and their travel logs of these Christian priests, you will see the arrogance. Oh, these are Indians. They don't know anything. They're primitive. Yeah. We are going to give them the light. We are going to give them wisdom and knowledge and, and whatnot. So that arrogance has always, always destroyed and ruined nations. Mm. It goes back all the way to that to, to that scene that the Holy Quran draws between the angels, between Satan, between God Almighty. When man was created, that was the reason why Satan did not prostrate. Meaning, well, it's it's a it's a metaphorical, it's a metaphorical, it's a more yes, metaphorical exactly. thing. We're not we're not saying that he, he was to, you know yeah. uh, commanded to do sajda or or to prostrate. No, the arrogance that oh man oh, oh God you have created man from what from clay and from sand. Yeah. I have been created out of fire. fire. I am better. I am more powerful. I am more dangerous. So why should I submit myself to your creation? It wasn't, he wasn't asked to submit to Adam or to submit to, to God's creation. Ultimately is submitting to God Almighty. Hmm. So it was arrogance that hindered him from, 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 from saying yes yeah. to the commandment of God. So if I take what you've said and what, based on what people think, say if I was a wise man, mm -hmm. I would then have to become humble, humility, and so 
humble that then God Almighty will give me the faculties to do something great. Is that what you're saying? It has to be. Look, yeah. intention. In intention. intention it, yeah. If you do it for the sake of God, God Almighty, Almighty. Yeah, exactly. then He will give you the ability. He will give you the strength. But most of all, He will give you the patience. Isn't I mean that's in in today's day and age again when the first topic or this topic mm. or any other topic, the lack of patience, the lack of uh, you know the, the 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 limited time that we have and we don't want to wait. Yes, everything has mm. to be now, now, now. I'm so, answering. I'm I'm asking God of Almighty for something. Why is He not replying? Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know what you've just said. In this day and age, in modern day, they will look at who's saying it, not what's being said. That as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that makes a difference. Exactly. And that's the world we live in. So is. And so that's unwise. That's where the wisdom disappears. Yeah. So I think we've got a good conclusion now, right? Yes. <laughs> We're getting to the point that you said, and I think it is about becoming humble and starting from zero. Because today's world, we haven't got time to even think like that. You know what I said to you? But who's thinking that way? People yeah. are not thinking they're thinking about putting food on the table. I need to go and earn some money because I need to food Look, the table. Look, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, so first okay. of all, let me, let me just explain. Yeah, there's good. nothing wrong with that. However, mm-hmm. the way you get that food exactly. on the table, exactly. have you usurped the rights of others? Yes. yes. Have you lived an honest life? I mean, you have the concept of halal and haram in, in, in Islam, like lawful and unlawful. Even your earnings can be unlawful. Mm. If you're evading taxes, that's yes. haram money, bro. Yep. Mm. There's, there's, You cannot spend that on anything else. But if you are doing your business the way it should be, if you're fulfilling the rights of your family, of the people in your society, not just your friends, but everyone around you, then you're on the right track. So then we will solve the problems of the world we're seeing today, the mental health problems, the peaceful... It starts... Well, it's interlinked, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's interlinked. It starts with the realization that I have to play my part. Yes. And I'm responsible for, as Dr. Afan mentioned, Mm. he he goes out and helps people he doesn't know. He will never meet them again in his life. But but for the sake of God, for the sake of humanity, for the sake of, of, you know, whatever his intention is, He's doing that. And again, look, the <coughs> loss of all of this teaching, the ethics, morals and values, it was it was written that there will come a time that humanity will forget. Hmm. But then it's also been written there will come a man who will revive all of these ethics, morals Absolutely. and values. And, and just to add to, uh, you know, the, uh, the importance of not being arrogant um, and how that translates into the world of personal development. You know, you talked about you know mm. these seminars and the world. So, in the world of personal development, they say that the people who are really successful are the people who always keep an open mind, mm. are always open to new ideas. Um, an athlete or a Premier League player who is successful and continues to be successful is the one who always is willing to learn new things and always willing to to adapt new ways of yeah. training, new ways of doing things, new ways of scoring goals, new ways of running on the pitch. And and that is the player the player who who um uh, and again this is this is from a personal development workshop that I that I learned that the player who actually takes a nose nose dive from a peak is the player who thinks I've got this. The moment you think I've 
got this hmm. is the moment of your demise yeah is the moment you die intellectually learning is lifelong so absolutely learning is lifelong and opening new and and keep and, and you know to to the point uh, that you were making imam brother uh, earlier about being arrogant you know that's exactly it when you close your mind to new ideas you think you know it all and you think that no the, what is this new person going to tell me um uh, or this caliph going to going to teach me or that messiah going to going to teach me always be humble and have an open mind and you will be successful brother raza 2 minutes please yeah, who, are I, we, I, who are we talking about i i i who are you what who are we talking about here when we talk of reviving and we talking about yeah it's it's look um it, this has been the the tradition or this has been the history of of mankind that uh, there's nothing that we have not been given there's no wisdom no knowledge that is not at the at you know at our fingertips however what do we do with that how do we apply that mm. do we have practical examples that's something that we when we talk about revival of islam when we talk about the second coming of the messiah that was his mission look when whenever something or a society progresses there's always losers right there's always going to be people who will be left behind because the mighty and the powerful will always take over but when the promised messiah on whom be peace the founder of the amdi muslim community came he came to to tie that tie that had been severed between us as a creation and god almighty to put things into perspective where do we stand in life there's god he's the almighty the all knowing the all seeing and and there's nothing you can hide from him so you as a human being you 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 understand your reality i'm nothing basically mm-hmm. but then also the real, the the relationship that we are supposed to have with each other if there is one who is less fortunate than you that gives you time to think and be grateful of the things that you have been given if someone who is better than you you pray for him mm-hmm. so all of this to put in things into perspective is to make you a better person not your intellect not your knowledge but you as a human being with that i take leave from you brother kyum please forgive any shortcomings on our part please remember us in your prayers thank you to all of our guests until we meet again may the peace and blessings of allah be upon you all